Hello and welcome to Feminist Fridays, your weekly intersectional dose of self-empowerment and equality. I'm your host, Sarah Liberty, coming to your airwaves from Sydney. And this week, we have a guest who is the longest serving CEO in Silicon Valley. And he's also a feminist. His name is Ray Zin. And he co-founded and ran Mikrel Semiconductor for 37 years. But before we meet Ray, I'd like to kick off with a track by Lady Gaga remixed by Honey Dijon called Free Woman. Because here at Feminist Fridays, we're all about freedom for all.
Ray, and welcome to Feminist Fridays. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So I'd like to ask where you grew up and what were some of your early influences? Okay, I grew up in Southern California, 10 miles north of the Mexican border. Um, so therefore, I learned to speak Spanish fluently. Wow. Uh, my father was a cattle rancher. Uh, no outback like you folks have there, but uh, it was a nice ranch with lots of uh, things to do. So I grew up in an agrarian uh, family. I'm the oldest of 11 children. My mother was a school teacher. 11? Uh, wow. Yeah. And uh, and so uh, just to give you uh, your audience a sense of where El Centro is, it's in between San Diego, California, and Yuma, Arizona. That's where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And then um, I left at, at 17 to, to go to school, to uh, go to BYU in Provo, Utah, uh, where I spent five years and got my degree in, in industrial management and engineering. Wow. Um, so uh, that's... A little bit of my my history. Grew up in a very uh, well structured, very organized home. You mm-hmm. have to have that when you're um, the oldest of eleven children. And my mm-hmm. mother wanted me to set the example, so I was the ex- example setter, as you would. A lot, a lot of this is in my book, Tough Things First. By the way, for those who want to pick it up, they can read a lot about my background. You know, we already have three things in common. I'm the eldest of three children, not eleven. My mm. dad is a farmer, so we, in Australia we call farms farms or properties, but my dad's um, always been a sheep and cattle farmer, and mm-hmm. my mum's a teacher too. Wow. Mm-hmm. Very, very similar. I know very what similar. it feels like to be the eldest and to set the example. Well, I'm sure you're younger than I am. Uh, <laughs> I've been married for 60 years. Uh, to the same person, and we have four children, twenty-two grandchildren, thirteen <gasps> great, thirteen great grandchildren. Oh my goodness! Congratulations to you. Thank you. So let's talk about what led you on to your career path. I understand that you co-founded and ran Micrel Semiconductor and ran the company for thirty-seven years. Did you always see yourself as a Silicon Valley entrepreneur? Can you not tell not, us? Not always. No? No. I, I came to uh, the Bay Area in uh, 1960 mm-hmm. uh, uh, as a you know, young college graduate uh, with lots of uh, enthusiasm and energy. And uh, so uh, I started working for United Technology building rocket motors for the shuttle, you know, the SRB. Wow. Uh, that's called solid, solid rocket booster. And so I was more or less, a, uh, I was going to be an astronaut. I thought that was the, the cool thing to do was, was to be an astronaut. Uh, and uh, then I married my wife in 1961. Uh, and her father was working for a company called Fairchild Semiconductor, the very, one of the very earliest pioneers in Silicon Valley. And I joined uh, 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 Fairchild in 1963. So I don't think anybody on earth has really been involved in semiconductors longer than I have. Uh, so I, I just stuck with it and ultimately started my own company in 1960, 1978. Yeah. Not too long after I actually started, actually. Uh, so I'm one of the early 
pioneers in semiconductors. I want to run my own company. I, I, yeah. And, 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 and we're going to talk about that uh, today. Yeah. And just so that I'm clear, because I'm not that much of a tech savvy person, what is a semiconductor? Okay. Well, uh, it's a, what they call a, a computer chip. I mean, that's, it's not a, they're not all computer chips, but a lot of uh, your listeners will understand it is as a little tiny, small uh, device uh, that has a lot of electronics in it. it. It does the same thing that the old vacuum tubes used to do. And, and so uh, the miniaturization of electronics uh, was accomplished through the manufacturing of semiconductors. And uh, it's, it's a very uh, important uh, uh, technology. In fact, uh, I will tell you that the country that, uh, that owns the semiconductor technology owns electronics. And the company that owns electronics owns the growth of, of, of their country, their world. So, uh, so go semiconductors, so go the world, as mm -hmm. you would. It's a highly protected, well, was a highly protected technology in the United States and, and still should be. It's probably one of the most important technologies that, that exists in the world today. Mm. In fact, China wants to have complete control over that technology. And that's caused a lot of concern, at least on my part, because I never wanted that to happen. And then I refused to, to allow my technology to, to go to China. Let's talk about Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. Silicon Valley doesn't have, this is from my understanding, the greatest reputation for gender equality. Would you agree? And how have you worked to help self-empower women and support them to take on leadership positions throughout your career? Well, I think one of the, the, the problems is, is that Silicon Valley hasn't had a high regard for, for anybody uh, except themselves. Mm. Um, and um, uh, the women, as you would, uh, um, they try to come up in the, in the in the corporate world, and and some of them have. I mean, you know, you've had uh, Cheryl Sandberg. Uh, 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 some of the um, I'm trying to remember her name. She ran for for president um, uh, in in, 19, in 2016, uh, and she was the uh, the president and CEO of uh, Hewlett Packard. A very important company in Silicon Valley, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so uh, you know, I I don't know that there's a, a, any reticence against uh, women achieving high high levels and high positions. I, I think the problem, of course, is is just been uh, the, the inequality and, and maybe probably pay. Yeah, know? and um, and at my my company, my Krell, uh, you know, we had that one culture. We had four cultures, honesty, integrity, dignity of every individual, and then uh, do whatever it takes. So the third culture uh, of respect for every individual is what I think you're talking about, mm. which is we did not differentiate pay wise between uh, and advancement wise between uh, uh, men and women. Uh, and so, um, uh, in fact, <laughs> If my wife were here, I tell you, women are better than men, <laughs> and in and, and, and probably most respects. Mm. Uh, so you know, it's it's that dominant position that men take, you know, because they're physical and and you know they've been you know the kind of the 
the head of the home as you would, no matter what country you go to, the, the man has been kind of the, the head of the home as you would, or the head of the tribe or whatever. Mm. Uh, and so they, they just want to stay in charge as you would. Mm. Uh, but, uh, you know, the men may be the head, but the woman's the neck and she's the one that turns the head. <laughs> uh, and, and so, you know, I've been married 60 years and you don't have that unless you treat that person in a, in a respectful way. Uh, and so respect for every individual is the hallmark of, of my company and, and, and my belief system. So tell us about your current occupation. I understand that you're now the author of Tough Things First, which teaches all entrepreneurs the fundamentals of what it takes to be a leader and mm-hmm. build a company with longevity and a solid culture. What inspired you to write this book? And what do you mean by tough things? And why do you believe it's important to tackle them first? Very good question, Sarah. So uh, starting in about 1981, uh, my company was three years old. um, People would say, oh, boy, you need to you need to write. You need to make a journal out of this and, and, and share this with the rest of the world, because I started a company with my own money, no, no venture capital. Mm. And, and so they thought this was amazing to be able to start your own company with your own money and in, a, in, a, in an industry that, that, that is, is very capital intensive, very mm. capital. Mm. And, and so they said, gee, you need to document this. You need to tell people how you did this. And, and so it, it took me years uh, of prodding People, people prodding me to write the book. So uh, when I wrote the book, we were looking for a title for the book, and I got my my VPs, my staff together, and all of them had had read the draft of the book, and and this was in, in 2014, mm. uh, and I said we we need a title, and Dr. Lin, J.C. Lin, who's from uh, who's from Taiwan, he says, tough things first. That was, it. and then everybody said, "Yeah, that's it. That's the title. That's what it means." Is is this whole this whole journey that I've been on is uh, being able to do the tough things first. So mm. uh, it's that eating that ugly frog first thing every morning, mm-hmm. because if you get it out of the way, the rest of the day goes easy. Mm. And so if you will do the tough things first, meaning every morning when you get up, you do the things that you don't like doing, and you do mm. them well. That's what discipline is, mm. is doing what you don't like doing and doing it well. And I taught my people to love the things they hate. Mm. So if you love the things you hate, guess what? Nothing. You, you won't ignore anything. You, you're, you're not afraid to tackle anything. And, and so it's a, a, a kind of an oxymoron to love something you don't like. But if you learn, whether it be food, you know, particular culture, if you learn to like things that you didn't like before, that's overcoming prejudice, as you would. Mm. And, and so you learn to love the things that you didn't like doing if you focus on getting the tough things out of the way first thing. I have found that uh, by doing the tough things first, I've increased my efficiency 20%, meaning I get 20% more done in less time by knocking out those bad things that I didn't want to do first thing. And then, then I learned to like them. Walter Emerson said, that which we persist in doing 
becomes easier. Not that the nature of the tax becomes easier, but I believe to perform it becomes easier. Mm. And and so, you know, it's it's persisting, not procrastinating, it's diving in, knocking out that ugly fog you didn't want to eat, getting <laughs> it out of the way, and the rest of the day goes really, really smooth. So I used to, if you talk about a start time of eight o'clock in the morning, I'd have my tough things done by nine. So I had I had another eight hours of really being productive and getting some good things accomplished for the company. Yeah. And once my employees understood that, they became more efficient. Our company, my Krell, was profitable from day one, from the very first day. Congratulations. We were profitable for 37, 36 out of 37 years. That's unheard of. Mm. And the reason it was that way, because I taught them correct principles. Mm. That's that servant leadership thing. You know, I taught them how to, to, to imp- improve themselves, how they become better every day. Mm. You know, they say yesterday is history. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow is a mystery. Today's the present. That's why they call it a gift. You can't accomplish something yesterday. You can't accomplish something tomorrow. You want to accomplish it today. Yeah. Like right now with Sarah, I'm, this is what I'm doing. I can't help you tomorrow. I can't help you yesterday. I can help you right now. As a CEO and leader myself, I'm very interested and I'm sure my audience will be too in hearing about what your top tips are for being a successful leader, particularly one who cares about building a solid culture. Now, I know you've touched on things like the values. I personally believe it's extremely important to build a solid and respectful work culture. And my NGO is built around the culture of human rights values and engaging with all of our stakeholders in a diplomatic manner. So, Well, there's two, there's two things. Yeah. One is I do the tough things first, which we talked about. Yeah. And the second thing, because you talked about two of them. The second thing is I loved my people. Mm. I loved them. Yeah. They knew I loved them because I cared for them. I was like their father. I was, a, I was, I was, they felt comfortable. See, your company is nothing more than an extension of your home. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe you have to drive a few miles to get to your, place of employment but really it's just a part of your home and so i taught them that really coming to work is just coming to another room in your home Mm. whether it be the kitchen whether it be the family room or the front room or the bedroom you know it's just another room it's my business room okay Mm. and i want them to feel comfortable yeah and i want them to feel safe safe and and so they knew they they knew i had their back because I love them yeah. and I told them I love them and I, I compliment and I praise them continually. Yeah. I look for things, even though something may have gone wrong, I try to find something that went right yeah. about it. Okay. So I focused on the positive, not the negative. And, and, and they appreciated that. They loved the fact that I didn't focus on the negative. Hmm. That I try to find something good in everyone. Hmm. I try to say what is what is positive about this person, and then I then I built on that because you can't build on the negative unless you want them to fail. You build on the positive hmm. because that they they want that they want to succeed. Everybody wants to succeed. 
So we built on the, I built on the positive. Even I had a person who was a pain in the neck. I said, okay, Ray, you got to find something good about that person and you got to build on that. And by so doing, we had the lowest turnover in our entire industry. Half the people that left our company came back. Wow. They said, wow, there's no place like this place. Yeah. And they wanted to come back. Just quickly, I, I was wondering, because you've had such a long career working in Silicon Valley, what have been some of the highlights or moments that, you know, you, you really feel you'd like, you, you celebrate or have impacted you? It's, for example, uh, um, I was at a, a company picnic and um, uh, uh, one of the uh, fellows came, came up to me and said, may I speak to you? a moment and I said sure uh, he was not an employee of the company but he was there with his wife and and so we went off to an area where he could converse with me and he, he said I want to thank you you saved my marriage now I didn't even know his wife because you know with a thousand people you don't know everybody so uh, I didn't know his wife and, and yet he said that I saved his marriage because his wife became they were going to get a divorce Mm-hmm. And his wife became a different person. After working at, at Micron, she had she gained those those attributes that helped her in her marriage. And he wanted to thank me for saving his marriage. And I didn't even know him. Wow. I didn't know her. But this because of the fact that the company's attitude and its its culture, it, it had an impact on his on his marriage. That, that's what's important to me, it is is helping other people. Yeah. I like them to succeed. That's what I want. I want success. Yeah. Another story I have is I had uh, uh, a, a fellow come in uh, and ask to speak with me. Asked asked the receptionist if she could if he could speak with me, and and so he, he uh, the receptionist called my 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 assistant and 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 uh, and said uh, there's a fellow down here who wants to speak to to Mr. Zen, and and. You know, I, we have secured doors and everything, so you know, people can't just come in. You know, to to our area, you have to have a pass and everything, a card card reader to mm-hmm. get in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so I said, well, you know, does he look safe? I mean, does he look like he's? I mean, I just I don't know who he is. And 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 so the receptionist said, well, he's pleading to come and talk to you. And I said, that's strange, you know. So I told my my assistant, please go down, get him. But stay right here with me when he comes in, mm-hmm. okay? Where we live is when in our area, you know, it can get kind of dangerous. So I, I was very cautious. Anyway, mm-hmm. so he came in my office, and he had tears in his eyes. And I said, what the heck's going on here? He said, well, I'm a, I'm a vendor, and I, I sell to hundreds of companies, and I visit their facilities, you know, every day. But something's different. When I come to your company, there's a different feeling. He says, it's, it's, it's almost spiritual. And I said, really? And he says, yeah. He says, it's, people are here are nice. <laughs> they, they, they don't use foul language. See, I, another culture that we have in order to have dignity and respect for an individual is we don't allow you to use condescending language or use swear words. You, just, you can't be vulgar no. to people. Right. And so he, was, he said, I want you to know that of the hundreds of companies that I do business with, your company stands out head and shoulders above the other companies because 
the way you treat people. You treat them with respect mm -hmm. and kindness. And even though I'm a vendor, you treat me nice. I want to come back. I want to be here. I want to help your company. And then he said, can I give you a hug? And I said, okay. So he gave me a hug and then he left. See, that's, th those are the kind of ex experiences that I really appreciate. That's amazing. And, and so that's, that's what I get out of it is when I see people happy and successful, then I'm happy and successful. Now, I just, I, I, you know, I'm processing what you've been saying, and I think it's amazing. But I wanted to just move on to the next question, which is, as the world today has been hit by COVID, many businesses and their leaders are currently struggling to rebuild themselves. What key advice would you give them to regain their confidence and momentum? That's, that's a Excellent, excellent. I'm asked that a lot, okay? Because, uh, you know, if we, if we look at how long cycles last, I've been through eight of them, okay? And COVID is just another cycle. Mm -hmm. They last about a year and a half, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, and and every, cycle, every cycle that we've had, the eight major cycles, they last about a year and a half. Mm. So uh, there is an end in sight. Yeah. Uh, you just have to be able to, to hold on, pivot if necessary, you know, try to make hay while the sun shines, make lemonade out of those lemons, you know, but don't become discouraged because that's what will cause you to, to fail is when you get discouraged. Mm. You know, as they say, and these things too shall pass. Yeah. You have to believe that. I'm that, a believer that the pendulum always swings. Because, okay, so we talk about this as what we call Newton's first law of economics. You know, you've heard of Newton's first law of physics, right? For every action you have in one direction, you have an equal and opposite one in the other direction. Uh, yeah, I do okay. remember that. that. That's Newton's first law. So the, Newton's first law of economics is, is that the harder something hits something, like the, for example, the, 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 the harder or the sicker you get, the harder you'll work at trying to get well, mm. okay? Um, uh, the, the more difficult something becomes, the more you're apt to try to overcome it by, by developing the, the ability to overcome it, whether it be an illness, whether it be a marriage problem, whether it be children's, child, uh, children's problem, whether it be a company problem, whatever it is, the harder it, that, that it pushes you, the more you're gonna resist it. That's just the nature. Mm. And I looked at it, in fact, I took advantage of it when when I saw the, the 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 market go down dramatically at the end of February into March. I took a whole lot of money and I invested in the market as it was tumbling down because I I did I did the um, the uh, uh, algorithm that I I mapped what I thought the recovery would look like and and I can prove it to you I I forecasted uh, that the recovery would happen on the, in the market by no later than the uh, uh, middle of June. Okay, now it happened in May, uh, but, I, so, but I was you know, a little off in my, in my calculation, but, but I was only off like maybe two or three weeks, mm -hmm. okay? Because I knew how Newton's first law of economics works, wow. okay? And I just mapped it. I, did, I said, okay, it's fallen this quickly in this period of time. 
how fast is it going to recover? Because it's 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 binomial. And so then I we um, it recovered and I made a lot of money. Good by for taking you. By taking advantage of people's shortfalls. I think that's really amazing advice is to to hold on to hope, to not give up. Mm-hmm. And also to understand physics a little bit more. Now I'm going to have to do that myself. I really appreciate that kind of insight from you. So let's talk about feminism. I'd just like to ask, how has feminism been a part of your journey? And just to be clear, I'm an intersectional feminist. So I believe feminism is about equality for all, not just about women's rights. Well, um, let me tell you a story. Sure. Uh, one of my employees um, came in and just was, he said, you've been married a long time. I'm going with this gal and I'm trying to decide whether or not she'll make a good wife. And I told Tim, I says, you know something, you got this wrong. It's not what kind of wife she's going to make. It's what kind of husband you're going to make. You should worry about you, what what kind of husband you're going to be. Don't worry about Denise and what kind of wife she's going to be. That's the way I, I look at this. I'm going to worry about what kind of a person, CEO, kind of a leader I'm going to be to help my people. I'm not going to worry about how, how good this employee is or how you know hard they're going to work. That That's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to help them. And so... It's that concept of, of, of equality, as you would, mm-hmm. worrying about what you can do, not worrying about what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, um, uh, you know, I've been, as I said, I've been married 60 years mm-hmm. uh, and I praise my wife every single day. Thank her for everything. Thank her for everything she does for me. And, and so equality begins with you as an individual. You have to view your role as being, you know, I can't change your mind, but you can. Okay. So mm. I'm not, I'm not here to correct you. I'm here to help you. Okay. And, and so uh, this, this idea of equality has to begin with your, with your mindset. Mm. I want, I don't care what your, what color you are, you know, what, what sex you are, you know, I don't, that's not my, my concern. My concern is how can I help you? What can I do to help you become more successful? Mm. And I tell them that. And when I answer the phone, I don't say, hello. I say, how can I help you? That's what I, that's how I answer the phone. I love that. I'm going to start doing that. So I just want to ask one final question. Where can my listeners find you, follow you, and support the amazing work that you're doing? Feel free to plug your website social media, and where people can find your book now? Okay, well, they can, they can find me on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, Raise an Entrepreneur. Um, they can uh, follow me, on my, read my, my blog, toughthingsfirst.com. It's all one word, toughthingsfirst.com. Uh-huh. They can find me there. They can write to me at ray.zen at uh, toughthingsfirst.com. Okay. Um, so... You know, we'll answer their questions. We'll help them. We do one podcast a week. Um, we're ranked in the top 10 podcasts in Silicon Valley. Go you. Uh, you know, 
so anyway, so we and, and uh, um, I'm not trying to make any money. I have money on doing this project, so it's not a money maker for me. I don't need to make the money on it. And my my book, Tough Things First, you can get at Amazon. It's a textbook at most many universities. In fact, it uh, must be a half a dozen or a dozen universities use Tough Things First as a textbook. My new book, uh, my old book now, T uh, Zen of Zen, you can get also on on um, Amazon. And my new book, Zen of Zen 2, comes out in about uh, two or three months from now. And then we're also going to do uh, the history of Silicon Valley. Uh, Amazing. Because I, I've more experience being a longest serving CEO in Silicon Valley. I got more experience than, than anybody on earth about the history of Silicon Valley. So I'm going to write a, a book on that. Um, and I've already started the podcast series of about uh, 18 podcasts. Um, I think we're up to now uh, nine or 10 that we've already done there. You can currently listen to the series, uh, the series on, on um, uh, Silicon Valley history of Silicon Valley. Um, and uh, if we've already gone past the words, if, if you're now on, on the third or fourth one, you can always go back to the first one to, to, to get the very beginning of the history. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, um, I'm not here to self-promote myself. I don't need to. Most people know who I am. I, I, I just, I, I, I'm almost embarrassed to, 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 to talk about myself because I'd rather talk about you than me. Well, and uh, I don't learn anything by talking about me. I think that you and I share a lot of the same values and a lot of the same work ethics and commitments. So it has been an absolute pleasure and delight to talk to you. Yeah, you probably tell all the people that. No, I don't. Well, I do, but it's been more like I feel extremely grateful to have interviewed you. And like I said, you're a legend. You sound like an amazing person. And I've certainly got some reading material to catch up on. Well, that has been another fierce and inspiring episode of Feminist Fridays for this week. But before you tune out, I'd like to leave you with a track by a French artist called Isia. And the track is called La Vague, which translates to The Wave. Because I don't know about you, but I'm hoping to catch some waves this weekend. Si loin de la plage, la terre soudain comme un mirage. Oh.